Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to my YouTube channel. My name is John Campia, and this is a companion video. What are companion videos? Well, I'm awfully glad that you asked. See, every day on the John Campia Show, Monday through Friday, we take the second half of the show to take your live comments and questions that you guys send in via the tip link. By the way, if you want to know how to send one of those in to be read in an upcoming show, simply go down in the description of this video and click on the tip link, or you can enter it in manually at www.streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You get your comment or question read on a show or a companion video, if, of course, it's appropriate for our show. And of course, you're supporting our channel at the same time. But we take the second half of the show to take those questions. But we normally don't have enough time to get through all the questions that get sent in. But I want to make sure you don't have to wait too long to get them addressed. So we gather up those ones we haven't got to yet. And we address them here on companion videos. And right now, it is Thursday night. September 30th, I actually just got back from the movie theater. Uh, Anne and I went to go see uh, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. It was my second time seeing it. This was Anne's first time. Anne had a really good time. She was laughing through the whole movie. I enjoyed it even more than I did the first time. Now, don't get me wrong. I, like I said in my review, I don't think this movie's as good as, say, Suicide Squad or like James Gunn's Suicide Squad or Shang-Chi, obviously, but I thought it was a really delightful film. Now, if you're somebody, I've said this a lot, if you're somebody that didn't appreciate the stylings of the first Venom movie, the second one probably won't be for you. Uh, and that's fair. You know, all film subjective. And if the first one didn't work for you, I don't think the second one's going to work for you. But if you're like me and you did have a good time with the first one, I think there's a really good chance you're going to have a good time with the second one like I did. But uh, anyway, there's that. So I had a really good time at the movie theaters tonight. But listen, guys, we've got some questions from you to get caught up on. So let's not waste any time. And get right to it, shall we? We're going to start getting caught up here with Jonathan, who writes, Holy shit, not even finished the first episode of Squid Games, and I'm really liking it. It's got an emotional hook that I did not see coming. I love father-daughter stories, so this is great. Yeah, now, look, no spoilers, but you're going to find as you get further into the show, it's not really a father-daughter thing, although that is a prime point of motivation for the main character. Uh, like I said, I didn't even hear, of, I've never even heard of this show two weeks ago. And then some people started bringing it up. Some of you guys started writing in about it. And then I binged all nine episodes in three days. Like, I don't think it's the greatest thing on TV right now, but I did have a really enjoyable time watching it. If you have not checked it out, and most of you probably have, because it's about to become the number one all-time Netflix show, like all time, number one Netflix show of all time. It's crazy how popular this thing has become and how fast it's become that popular. All right, next up, we got uh, Stash Dad writes, one of two. So I'm typing this right after watching Dear Evan Hansen. I always loved a couple of the songs. Never been the, never seen the stage play. Always have Ben Platt's Tony performance on the playlist loop. Yeah, I've finally heard some of them. That guy, say what you want about how old he is. That guy can sing. Oh my God, that guy can sing. Um, uh, closed made the tone better. I don't know what that means. Closed made the tone better. Not sure what that means. I think... Uh, belting out the songs like they did on stage in a movie setting was off-putting. And Ben Platt shows his age, sometimes distracting. I feel like how Hamilton handled it was a great way to showcase the play. As a filmed play, it might have been even better. But as my eyes are puffy, every song still hit me hard. In high school, I had a suicide note. I had a suicide note. Uh, all those feelings of dread, embarrassment came rushing back. To me, the songs and subject matter push the awkwardness. And was that the last part? Nope. Uh, I would be here now 
Let me rephrase. I wouldn't be here now with a six-year-old who I adore if anonymously a friend turned that note into my guidance counselor for mental health awareness, listen to the songs, and give the movie or, or play a try. Uh, movie, 3.5 out of 5. Songs, 4 out of 5. You know what, Stash Dad? First of all, thank you for sharing your story. I mean, the, the most powerful part about movies is when they touch us on a personal level. And clearly this was a movie or a story, I should say, that touched you very much on a personal level. And so it's always awesome when we come across these movies and these stories that do that for us, whether it's a story on a stage or on a small screen or on a big screen or in a book or or whatever. So that's awesome. But you raise a really interesting point that I think you might be a thousand percent right about. You know, when you go to Hamilton and you watch which I believe is on Disney plus what they did with it is that they just filmed like really well. They filmed very, very well a stage performance of Hamilton. It's actually several stage performances edited into one, but you get the real full power of the show when it's done that way in its natural state of a stage show. And I wonder if that might not have been a better approach for something like Dear Evan Hansen. Because I'll tell you what, you know, a lot of people are talking about that Ben Platt's age is distracting. I wonder if that wouldn't have even been a consideration for most people if it was done on a stage. You know what I mean? Like if instead of in a movie where it's supposed to feel more realistic, if it was done on stage, maybe that wouldn't have been such a problem for a lot of people. And maybe the power of those songs like you were talking about, maybe they made it hit home even a little bit harder. I I think it's a great idea that you propose. I I mean, it's too late now. They've done the movie, but I think you really are right about that, Stash Dad. Well, good observation, man. Really good observation. All right, next up, Smokey McPot, uh, who tips in like $20. Thank you, Smokey. I appreciate that very much, writes. Hey, John and Rob, and obviously Rob's not here right now. Uh, So I just watched Midnight Mass and I loved it. Being an atheist, I wasn't sure if I would be able to get through something that features religion so heavily, but the show was great and the creature aspect made it very unique. Bring on the filthy. Yeah, listen, I've told this story. I still haven't watched Midnight Mass. And the strange thing about it is like Netflix sent me an invitation to screen it like a couple of weeks ago. I just didn't have a chance to do it. That's all. But I'm getting a number of people writing in saying they're really enjoying it, and that's cool. Now, look, uh, the fact that you're an atheist shouldn't affect at all your ability to enjoy a story that has uh, some resemblance to faith-based elements. Just like anybody who comes from a life of faith shouldn't be turned off watching a story about about an atheist or anything like that. I— do not practice the religion of Asgard. But I can watch a movie about Thor and Asgard and the All-Father Odin. I mean, these are stories, right? I mean, we don't need the stories to fall right in line with our own personal life philosophies in order to enjoy stories, right? I'm uh, I'm not gay, but I can watch As Good As It Gets and absolutely love 
you know, Captain Amazing, the neighbor, Captain Amazing there, Greg Kinnear, I can totally love that character and and identify with his plight and all that kind of stuff, even though I myself am not gay, but I can still identify, I can still watch that and, and learn from it and appreciate what the storytellers are bringing to the screen. So I, I don't think, I'm glad you were able to enjoy it despite that, because I don't think we should be have as a prerequisite that a movie falls in line with our personal life philosophies in order for us to be able to appreciate them as movies. So I'm glad you were able to join nonetheless. Now, I still haven't watched it myself. I need to do that. I am going to get on that once I get back from Las Vegas. I am going to Vegas this weekend. I'm leaving tomorrow. Uh, I'm going to go to Vegas this weekend and play in the... Every year I go to play in the World Series of Poker. I look forward to it every year. So, uh, But once I get back, very shortly after I get back... I'm going to be trying out Midnight Mass. So anyway, thanks for sharing that, uh, Smokey. I appreciate that, dude. All right, next up. Dangerous D writes, Hey, John, have you seen the episodes of Doom Patrol? I have not yet because I've been backed up on other things. I've not watched any of the, episodes, the new episodes of Doom Patrol yet. As usual, it's insane. I won't spoil anything, but I'm going to try making zombie wear, uh, wear butt a thing. Also, do you know if Alan Tudyk will be reprising his character of Mr. Nobody anytime soon? Uh, keeping my fingers crossed. I don't know, but, you know, he's got that new show, that Resident Alien show. And by the way, if you guys have not seen Resident Alien, I know I apparently it's based on a graphic novel. I had never heard of it before. At least I don't think I had. This show is amazing. I laugh my guts out every single episode. Now, I haven't heard anything about season two. I assume they're going to do a season two, but season one is out there. Go find it. It's incredibly good. So if they keep doing that, I don't know that he'll be back to play Mr. Nobody. I certainly would like to see him back because I like him as Mr. Nobody, but I honestly, at this point, I haven't heard anything about it yet, Mr. Dangerous. All right, next up, we got Russell Amador who writes, Hey, John. By any chance, do you have any interest in Midnight Mass on Netflix? We were just talking about that. I was just talking about how a bunch of people are writing in about it. Well, I didn't have much of any. I didn't have much of any. Then I decided to tune in, and it easily became one of my favorite shows of the year. Mike Flanagan delivers yet again. And that's what I'm hearing, Russell. I'm hearing people say they really, really enjoy this show, and I'm kind of kicking myself that I didn't take advantage of watching it a few weeks ago, but I will get on that as soon as I get back from Vegas. Thanks for adding your voice to the recommendations, Russell. Appreciate that, man. All right. MD writes, I stupidly just tried to get tickets for No Time to Die, and it sold out everywhere near me in London. I'm not surprised it sold out in London. Uh, I've tried 17 theaters from Friday through Sunday, early afternoon to evening, all sold out. I've not had this with any films this year. Uh, Jesus, Brits love Bond. Hey, listen, the only thing I can possibly even remotely kind of compare that to is if, I don't know, uh, like Warner Brothers did a big movie on the life of Wayne Gretzky. You know, Canadians would flock to go see that. Maybe not as much around the rest of the world, but Canadians, man, we would be there for that. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's James Bond, dude. It's James Bond. In London? I mean, it's. I'm thrilled to hear that it's getting that kind of response, um, but I'm not terribly surprised. I hope... I hope North American audiences can give it that type of attention too. I really do. I'd love, listen, I'm only predicting James Bond to come in around 60 to 70 million opening in North America. I hope it blows that out of the water. I really do. I would love to see it succeed. So we'll see how it goes. Anyway, I hope you're able to get tickets for it soon though, MD. All right, next up. Sergeant Ward writes, 
I noticed one of Apple TV, uh, one of Apple TV's movies, Swan Song, is getting a day and date theatrical release. I think traditional movie studios are not going to continue doing this, but streaming services like Netflix, Prime, and Apple will start to do this themselves. Now, are you sure? Because I know Apple TV has a couple of movies coming. We talked about one earlier today where they're going to do a traditional theatrical release with an exclusive theatrical window and then put it on Apple+. Plus. So we've got uh, Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. That's getting a the uh, an exclusive theatrical release. And then we just talked earlier today about the new Brad Pitt, George Clooney movie being directed by John Watts, who's the director of Spider-Man Homecoming, Far From Home, and the upcoming No Way Home. And it is going to be, according to Variety, it is also going to be getting a theatrical exclusive release and then go on that later. It's really interesting seeing Apple kind of really being the first one. Well, I shouldn't say being the first one because Amazon has done that as well. The first one Amazon did that I really took notice of was the Kumail Nagiani amazing film, uh, The Big Sick. Big Sick is, is still one of my most enjoyed movies of the past five, six, seven years, however old that movie is now. But uh, I love that movie. But that's what Amazon did. They Amazon Studios produced it and they put it, gave it a normal theatrical release and then later put it on Amazon. So uh, I don't know if Swan Song is doing day and date. Or if it's actually getting a full theatrical, I'm not sure yet, but I'll have to look into that. It's an interesting observation, Sergeant. Okay, next up. Uh, Joseph Curtis writes, uh, Hey, John, you know, one of my favorite goaltenders of all time had that name in reverse. Curtis Joseph was his name. Anyway, hey, John, Mike Flanagan has done it again. Here we are back to Midnight Mass. Midnight Mass, the new original Netflix limited series is absolutely compelling, emotional, and creepy. Want to see if you had checked it out yet. And if you haven't, John, please watch it. I need this. I'll tell you what, Joseph, again, like I said, a lot of people writing in now telling me about Midnight Mass, just like a lot of people writing in to tell me about... Uh, Squid Game. Here's a question, though. Here's a question. I know we ask this all the time. How is it that Netflix, almost as good as HBO, how is it that Netflix seems to, at a very high percentage, nail their series, whether they're ongoing series or limited series, whatever? How is it that Netflix can so crush their, their series and yet be so terrible at their original movies. Like, I, seriously, I, I, I don't get it. How can they do one so well and do the other so very badly? It's, it's a question mark to me. But anyway, thanks, Jodis, for uh, Joseph, for uh, adding your voice to the recommendation list. I appreciate that, man. All right. Sam writes, have you ever softened uh, on a movie you disliked over time? Absolutely have. For me, it's Spider-Man 3. That one's not one for me. <laughs> I I would never call it good, but I found more things to like over time. Uh, it's also reached legendary status due to all the memes and Bully Maguire content, in my opinion. No, that's true. I mean, it doesn't happen to me often, but the one movie I can really point to, and some of you probably know what I'm going to say because you've heard me mention this before. The one movie I'm, I, I can point to that I really hated and then later totally fell in love with it was the Quentin Tarantino film Inglorious Bastards. My first viewing of it, I hated it. I didn't dislike it. I hated it. And so I can't remember if it was like six months or a year later, whatever. 
um, was on a date and a girl was over and she wanted to watch it. So rented it. I was like, Hey, if that's what she wants to watch, we'll watch it. And I watched it with her. I'm like, what, why didn't I like this movie? This movie's awesome. It's now like one of my top two favorite Quentin Tarantino movies. I love that movie. I love it now. And I totally hated it. The first time I saw it, it again, that's happened with very, very few movies with me, like less, less than I can count on one hand. But that one is the one that stands out to me the most, Sam. All right. Next up. Blind Cinephile writes, hey, John, what do you think of foreign films not providing English dub tracks to theaters or sometimes at all? Like when Parasite and the new film uh, Tatane. I am I am low vision, and since I cannot read the subtitles, this prevents me from enjoying these films. Well, I think there's two different levels to that, blind cinephile, because um, you're really asking two different questions. One, what do I think about them not providing it for theaters? The other, what do I think about it not being provided for home? Because I think that is very rare. I think most of the time you'll be able to find a home option where there will be dubbed tracks. But in theaters, it's different. In theaters, I think that's probably more of an artistic thing. Like probably a director doesn't want you hearing the voices of somebody other than the actors that he directed on screen and catching the actual inflection and blah, blah, blah. It's probably an artistic thing. And while that does leave some people sometimes on the outside of it, I get it. I get it. Um, it, it's probably a director's choice. The director wants the people hearing the actual actors doing the lines. Even if you're reading subtitles, and like I myself personally, I like subtitles more than dubs because even though I don't understand the language that they're speaking, I can hear the inflections and the tones of their voices while reading the dialogue. And so I catch more of the performance. You know what I mean? But for home video, there's no excuse. I mean, really, a person at home should be able to consume the film the way they want to consume it. And so for the theatrical part, I get it. I understand. It's not what I would do personally, but I get it. But for home, I don't think there's any excuse. I think most home distributors, most companies that do home viewing distribution will probably force it to have that on it most of the time. So... Uh, yeah, so for theaters, I get it. For home viewing, I don't get that at all. So anyway, that's kind of my thoughts on that, Blind Cinephile. Thanks for asking. That's a great question, man. That's a really good topic to bring up. Maybe I'd have a different answer if I think about it more, but I appreciate you writing that in, man, giving us a different perspective on that. All right. Sam Fisher writes, this Watts, Clooney, and Pitt fixer, uh, fixer movie, which I just talked about, depending on the tone, sounds a lot like Shane Black's Nice Guy. Guys, a little, a little bit, not really, but a little bit. I love nice guys. Me too, Sam. Uh, one of the best movie experiences I had because I, because I went just my dad and I, we rarely do things like see a movie, just the two of us. I mean, that's one of the great, they are incredible shared experiences, you know, like when I, the first time I went to go see Lord of the Rings, uh, the fellowship of the ring, I remember who I was with. I remember exactly who I was with, and I will always now think of that person whenever I think of Lord of the Rings, as well as, you know, a lot of other movies in my life. They're incredibly, these shared experiences become very bonding. So that's great. You were able to have that with such a great movie as, um, 
as uh, Shane Black's Nice Guys. I, I love that movie, too. I really do. I, I enjoyed that movie a great, great deal. Um, now, as far as um, things like where does this like compare with uh, the, the new Clooney, Pitt, and John Watson? I don't know that it's got a lot of similarities, to be honest with you. I, I don't think it sounds a lot the same, but I do know I'm very, very excited for this movie, and uh, I can't wait to see what they come up with. And uh, again... The one bad thing is it means John Watts, who is also going to be working on Fantastic Four. That means Fantastic Four is probably further off than we thought. But still, we'll see it all kind of unfolds. All right. Thanks for sharing that, Sam. Next up, uh, Sam Fisher also writes, did you see that Hasbro just announced they will be releasing a six-inch figure of George Lucas uh, dressed as a stormtrooper sometime in 2022? Will you get it? I have not heard that announcement, Sam. But yes, if Hasbro puts out a six-inch figure of George Lucas dressed as a stormtrooper. I don't know that I'd be able to resist that. I, I think I would probably have to bite down and get that one, man. Thanks for letting me know about it. All right. Sam also writes, what do you think of NBC doing a 21st season of the OG Law & Order, 11 years after its cancellation? Uh, should we have expected this with Dick Wolf seemingly returning to NBC and the Law & Order universe? Are you excited for this news? Um, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I've watched a lot of Lion, uh, Law & Order, but I don't remember anything about it. I'm not a Law & Order, what would you call, like Harry Potter fans, you call Potterheads. Star Trek fans, you call Trekkers or Trekkies. Or what would you call a Law and Order fan? A Law and Orderite? I don't know. I'm not a Law and Orderite. I don't. I never watched the spinoff series, but you know, back in the day, I would pop them on during my lunch break. Like I'd pop on Law and Order because they're very, very just episodic. You know what I mean? So you can turn on any episode of Law and Order almost any time and just watch it and get a, like a little self-contained 47-minute movie, right? Kind of in a way. So. Um, so I'm, I'm curious about it, but would I, I'd be lying to you, Sam, if I said like, Ooh, this is exciting. I'd be lying to you if I told you I was excited about it. I'm not, but Hey, good for them. Good for them. Bringing it back. All right. Next up. Angel. Oh, writes, I, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, Angel. Uh, the Friday, the 13th lawsuit is over. Yeah. I heard about that. What do you think is going to happen next? Well, I mean, at some point they're going to make another Friday, the 13th. Because if studios, I mean, all studios are looking for anything, it's recognizable IP. Recognizable IP is worth its weight in gold, man. I mean, that doesn't mean they do well necessarily, but getting recognizable IP, huge, huge thing. So yeah, somebody's going to be making another Friday the 13th. Whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, who knows? We'll have to wait and see. But there will definitely be another Friday the 13th movie, Angel. No doubt about that. All right, next up. Chuck the Mystery writes, Hey, John. Watched a film last night that I haven't seen since theaters back in 2003. Paycheck, oh, paycheck with Ben Affleck. Uh, paycheck with Ben Affleck and Uma Thurman. It's based on a story by Philip K. Dick, and Affleck is, as always, great in it, even though it is by no means a great film. Thoughts? No, my sentiments exactly. I thought, listen, I've thought for a long time, long before he was announced as Batman, Ben Affleck is an underrated actor. He's simply an underrated actor. And I often talk about, listen, and especially when he was announced as Batman and everybody was laughing. Well, oh, they got Ben Affleck as Batman and everybody was laughing. And while everybody was laughing, I was trying to cut through the noise and telling people, listen, guys, 
Ben Affleck is underrated. So if you want to know how good of an actor he is, like, you know, with Ryan Reynolds, I always point people to Buried. You want to know how good of an actor Ryan Reynolds is? Go watch Buried. This dude's an Academy level kind of actor. He really is when he's got the material to do that. And for Ben Affleck, I've always pointed people to that movie he did with Samuel Jackson called Changing Lanes. Uh, Changing Lanes is a tremendously underappreciated film. And to me, it really shows how good of a performer because he's he's acting side by side with Samuel Jackson and they both do great work in that movie. So, but I'm not going to lie. I don't think Paycheck itself uh, as a film well, overall was all that good. I didn't think Paycheck as a movie overall was that good myself. Thanks for sharing your experience there, Chuck. Uh, Chuck also writes, Speaking of Ben Affleck, I still think his best work is Changing Lanes. I was just saying that. I still think his best work is Changing Lanes. It's such a great film. He goes toe-to-toe with Samuel Jackson and Sidney Pollack and gives it his all. Can't wait for The Last Duel. Very excited for the possibility of The Accountant 2. I want an Accountant 2. I know not everybody loved The First Accountant. I did. I love that movie. It that Why that movie did not make more money at the box office is completely beyond me. It's got a great story. The action's fantastic. The performances are great. Ben Affleck, John Bernthal, I mean, the performances are great. I don't know why more people didn't go to the theaters to watch it when it was out. It's a great movie. If you still haven't seen The Accountant, watch it. Anyway, that being said, uh, I've actually got a press um, screening of The Last Duel, I think Wednesday night. I think this coming Wednesday. So... I'll be watching it soon and I'll be able to share my thoughts with you. But yeah, man, I am also very, very excited for The Last Duel. It looks great. I mean, Ridley Scott's at the top form again. Seeing Ben Affleck and Matt Damon back on screen, they wrote the movie. Um, you know, Adam Driver is a tremendous actor. Adam Driver's got this and he's got Gucci, House of Gucci coming out. <sighs> Come on. Come on. All right, anyway. Uh, last question of the night. We have reached the end. Last question of the night comes to us from Kara Black who writes, Okay, John, we have finally reached the moment that is 20 years in the making with when Tom Brady returns to Foxborough Stadium, Gillette Stadium, to face Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots for the first time ever. Will this be the toughest sports game for you to watch emotionally? Honestly, no, it's, it's not. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm going to be happy regardless of the outcome. Now, obviously, I am a Patriots fan, obviously. Being a Patriots fan, I have been cheering for 14, 15, 16, I can't remember how many years now. I've been cheering for Tom Brady for a very, very long time. So he's clearly my favorite player in the NFL. So, hey, if the uh, if uh, the Buccaneers win, that means Tom Brady won. If the Patriots win, that means the Pats won. Now, look, I think Brady is going to walk all over the Patriots. They're They're not very good right now. You know, they got themselves a rookie quarterback. He's going to need some time to develop. That system's going to need time to come together. I think the Patriots, like, wasted a lot of time having Cam Newton at quarterback. And, you know, the Patriots had an opportunity a while ago to get Russell Wilson. And they didn't pull the trigger on it, or at least they didn't do what needed to be done to finalize the deal. But they they had a shot at getting Russell Wilson as their quarterback. <sighs> And instead, they went with Cam Newton. And as soon I remember, as soon as they said they got Cam Newton, I said, well, there, there goes the Patriots for the next couple of years. There they go. 
But, you know, they, they moved on from Cam Newton. They've now got a rookie quarterback with a lot of potential. Let's get, but he's going to take some time. It's going to take time. And uh, Belichick knows how to put a good team together. But so I expect it. But look, either way, I win because either Tom Brady's going to win or the New England Patriots are going to win. And either way, I win. So I'm just going to watch and enjoy it. If Tom throws four touchdowns, I'll be like, yay. The Pats play really well. I'll be like, yay. I'm in a no-lose situation. The only way I can lose is if, like, uh, like Tom Brady gets injured. And, like, that's the only way I, as a fan, lose. But uh, to me, it's a win-win situation. All right, guys, listen. That's it. We are all caught up on all the questions that came in up until the end of the show that we had earlier today. Now, since the show ended, a whole bunch of other questions have come in. So if you guys have sent in questions and you didn't hear it answered yet, don't worry. We're going to get to them at the John Campus show in the morning. So just tune back in for them. But for now... That'll do it, guys. For this installment of the companion video, thanks so much for being here. Special thank you to all of you guys who sent in these live comments and questions. Number one, because it gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campia Show, thank you guys so very much for your support. Okay, guys, that'll do it for me. Thanks for being here. My name's John Campia. Until next time, my friends, bye-bye.